Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth, and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. Hey listeners, this is Nick from Scripture Central, and today's podcast addresses the question, How does the Gospel of John reflect the Day of Atonement? Many scholars have recognized within the Gospel of John deep connections to the temple and its rituals. The emphasis throughout John's Gospel account depicts the way we can return to God's presence. Thus, in several ways, John draws upon imagery of the main temple feast of ancient Israel that celebrated and enabled this return to God's presence, the Day of Atonement. Rabbinic writings have helped us understand how the Day of Atonement rites were practiced in the Second Temple period building upon how the Old Testament rites were initially performed. These Jewish texts have likewise been helpful in understanding how Jesus and his immediate disciples would have understood the Day of Atonement, and the Gospel of John appears to reflect many of these themes. Jackson of Howe has recently observed how this sacred feast is portrayed in the Gospel of John throughout the life and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, primarily with four themes. The first image that John employs in his gospel involves the declaration of John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. While the image of Jesus as a lamb has clear connections to the springtime Passover sacrifice, especially near the end of his life, scholars have noted that the paschal lamb has no role in remitting sins. Rather, the only sacrificial animal that was understood to remit sins were those offered on the Day of Atonement. Thus, Abhau notes that while Jesus is clearly connected with the Paschal Lamb and other places in the Johannine narrative, the broader concept of the Lamb of God appears to be a composite figure, allowing for multiple strands of symbolism at the same time. Seeing the Lamb of God in this light shows how Jesus fulfilled the entire law of Moses and properly frames his death in the context that ancient Israelites and early Christians would have understood more clearly. The account of Jesus' trial and subsequent death appear to be framed in John as a reflection of two goats in Leviticus, chapter 16, namely the sacrificial goat and the scapegoat. Every year on the Day of Atonement, lots were cast upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. The goat selected for the Lord would be sacrificed and its blood sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant, while the scapegoat would be cast into the wilderness, bearing upon him all the people's iniquities. Additionally, later rabbinic teachings claimed that the scapegoat was driven off a cliff after being humiliated by the people. While modern Christians may see Jesus as the scapegoat, carrying their sins out into the wilderness, such was not always the case. Abhau notes, the earliest exegetes saw Jesus not as the fulfillment of the scapegoat, but as the fulfillment of the sacrificed goat. This is especially evident in the Epistle to the Hebrews, which views Jesus as the great high priest who, by his own blood, entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. This passage specifically refers to the ritual of the sacrificed goat conducted exclusively by the high priest on the Day of Atonement. Barabbas, who was released by Pilate into the hands of the people, then thematically fits the role of the scapegoat. Based on ambiguities in the Greek text, some scholars believe that far from being set free, Barabbas is not pardoned, 
Rather, he is lynched by the mob, humiliated and mistreated like the scapegoat on its way out of the city. In any event, it is clear that the two goats from Leviticus 16 were symbolically involved in John. The one was sacrificed, and the other carried away the impurities. Just as the epistle to the Hebrews viewed Christ as both the high priest and sacrifice, so too does John portray Jesus as the high priest. This is especially seen at the end of his narrative, when Jesus performs a high priestly intercession for his disciples in John chapter 17. For example, Abhau observes that both Jesus' intercessory prayer and the prayer of the high priest on the Day of Atonement have a tripartite structure and focus on sanctification. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays for himself, for his disciples with him, and finally, for all who will believe on the disciples' words. Similarly, the high priest would sacrifice for himself, for his family, and for the community of Israel on the Day of Atonement. Rabbinic tradition records a version of the prayers offered in preparation for the sacrifice. Immediately preceding Jesus' atonement in Gethsemane and on the cross, the intercessory prayer appears to likewise be a preparation for Jesus' infinite and eternal sacrifice. Following Jesus' death, the scene shifts to the high priestly Holy of Holies as the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom opening the heavenly realms to all people throughout all the world. Finally, unique to the Day of Atonement was the use of the sacred name of Jehovah. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would say the name Yahweh, which was likely the original pronunciation of Jehovah in his prayer, and rabbinic tradition asserts that all those present would then prostrate themselves upon the earth. Throughout all of the Day of Atonement rites, the high priest would utter the name Jehovah ten times. This is reflected in John's Gospel through the tenfold repetition of the phrase, I am, or Igu Imi. This is, of course, a reference to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, in which the Lord told Moses, I am that I am. While these statements are often obscured in English translations that render the statement, I am he, or it is I, Scholars have noted the repeated use of this phrase, especially throughout John's Gospel. Significantly, John records ten utterances of this phrase that typically evoke strong reactions from the crowd and display the features of a fixed formula, identifying Jesus as Jehovah. This formula culminates in the Garden of Gethsemane with the final three instances of Jesus declaring, I am. In an interaction unique to John's Gospel, Jesus approaches the group of soldiers who have come to arrest him and asks, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he, Igu imi, literally, I am. Significantly, John also records that, As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, Igu imi, they went backward and fell to the ground similar to how people would prostrate themselves on the Day of Atonement upon hearing the high priest speak that holy name. Jesus again declares, I am, before his arresters regain their composure and capture him. In proclaiming I am throughout John's Gospel, Jesus declared two of the most significant aspects of his life and ministry, namely, that he is Jehovah, and he is the great high priest of the heavenly temple. As expressed throughout the New Testament, Jesus Christ is our Savior, 
and the only one who is capable of performing the infinite and eternal atoning sacrifice that permits us to be reconciled or atoned with God. He alone is the great high priest of our salvation, who sacrificed himself so that we might be able to enter into God's presence. Furthermore, as expressed in the epistle to the Hebrews, Jesus' atonement allows us to have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. We are able to come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Through Jesus' infinite atonement, we can all be sanctified, cleansed from all sin, and made worthy to enter again the holy presence of the Father. Ultimately, despite all the problems, sickness, temptations, and sins we experience in this life, we can look forward with solemn confidence to a glorious future, receiving comfort through the guarantee promised by Jesus to his disciples. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Thank you for listening to this presentation from Scripture Central. For more information, please visit scripturecentral.org.